Hi, I'm Rochelle Jackson. Welcome to The Crime Couch. I'm an investigative journalist and true crime author, and I know who's who in the zoo, the crims, the cops, and the interesting individuals in between. So get comfy and join me each week on The Crime Couch for a rollicking, intriguing tale. It'll be one heck of a journey. Tofu in Mozambique is an international diving spot known for its coral reefs, manta rays and humpback whales. It's also the last resting place for Melbourne girl, 20-year-old, Ellie Warren. She was an aspiring marine biologist and had been volunteering on a marine conservation project in the area. But on November the 9th, 2016, Ellie's lifeless body was found face down in the sand with her underwear around her knees. Her body was behind a toilet block and initially had been discovered by a local fisherman. Her father, Paul, has been relentless in his pursuit for justice for his daughter, who he believes was murdered. His five-year investigation has led to a Victorian coronal inquest to be scheduled before the end of this year. Hi, Paul. Thanks very much for sitting with me on the Crime Couch today. Thank you very much, Rochelle, for having me. Let's discuss a little bit about Ellie. Now, how would you... How would you describe Ellie? Oh, Ellie was a girl full of life, you know, loved life to the fullest, um, bubbly personality, had a lot of friends. Um, she was amazing, really. And, you know, she worked hard in her life um, to achieve her goals. She'd already been over to Africa a few times and um, she was doing three jobs here to to earn as much money as she could to get to um, could hardly wait to get back over there. And um, to be honest with you, like she was a daughter that any father would be proud of. You sound like you had a really special relationship with Ellie. We were really close. She loved the same things that I liked. We did um, boundary umpiring together. She loved sailing, camping. It was, um, you know, she was sort of not just a daughter, but a really best mate, you know, in a way. Um, and I miss her terribly, you know. She's... Um, um, it's left a, a hole in my heart, um, which is, it's just been devastating for me and for um, Ellie's mother. Um, you know, it, uh, it's just a part of my life that's gone. It's, um, I'm never, ever going to get back. Tell me a little bit about what attracted Ellie to Africa. Oh, look, she loved, she fell in love with Africa on her first trip with her mother over there to Tanzania. You know, she just loves it. There's, I've got a lot of photos with her, with the animals. She was very, very, very much into animals and, and you know, marine um, conservation. Um, she loved it. Um, you know, she's looking after the, the whales and, um, and the sea life and, and the reefs and everything. She was right into it in her marine biology. And that was her passion in life. She loved diving. Um, she'd been to Belize before and, 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 and dived the Belize Hole. And, you know, she's done a lot of places uh, around the world in diving. Um, and she was just really sort of an out there type of girl that just 
loved life to to the fullest, you know, and um, enjoyed the passion and followed that passion to uh, Tufo, where it is one of the best diving destinations in the world. And as you said before with the intro, that it's, um, you know, there's manta rays, whale sharks, there's everything there. It's the straight between Madagascar and Tufo, and it's got uh, a lot to offer for somebody like Ali. And, and she was over there with the scientists, and she was really getting fully involved with it all. And and to be honest with you, the messages I got back, she just loved it there for her six weeks that she was there, you know, just loved it. Okay, so how did you get to hear about Ellie's death, Paul? Oh, that was pretty devastating. I was just enjoying my the moment with my son, um, mucking around, and then I got a phone call from um, my other daughter, Christy, and I couldn't make sense of her on the other end of the phone. She was just screaming and yelling. And, and you know, it's the phone call that um, uh, no parent wants to get. It's um, It was just devastating at the time. And and uh, I couldn't, as I said, I couldn't make sense out of her. She just said, oh, Ellie's been murdered overseas. She's not coming home. And oh, it's just, yeah. Anyway, um, no... Nicole got on the phone and um, and she confirmed um, that um, it was Ellie because um, the manager of where she was staying over in Tufo had contacted her and said that it was Ellie. He identified her. So, yeah, that's just just sort of hits you pretty hard, something like that. And and um, and, and yeah, it's just I can't explain it, but it was just terrible, terrible experience. And obviously an incredibly difficult thing to process. You don't expect to hear that about uh, someone that you love, the very daughter that you love. No, well, it's a shock, you see, too. Like We were expecting her to come home in a couple of days and, and you know, and we knew how much she'd loved it over there and we thought, oh, well, you know, um, I didn't really know a lot about Africa. I don't think a lot of Australians know, you know, too much about it and... Um, uh, we we tend to think other countries are dangerous, especially in third world countries. But um, um, the feedback I got from her, she was with a fantastic group of people, and she just really enjoyed it. And and but that's Ellie, you know. Ellie's out there. She loves it. She meets friends and uh, easily. And um, and yeah, so. It was a big shock to us, um, especially when we were expecting her to come home, as I said, in a couple of days' time. What were you initially told, um, Paul, about Ellie's death by the authorities? Uh, it was the um, AFP and DFAT. Now, DFAT were really good at first. Um, you know, we had a couple of really good um, um, people that were on, as case agents on Ali's case. Um, they were very good. And then we had the uh, the commissioner, the high commissioner over there, Mr McCarthy. He was excellent when I went over to, to get Ali's body over in South Africa. Um, and they really looked after us. And I was, I was really, 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 really happy with them mm-hmm. and the way that they uh, looked after us. Um, and but then the AFP said that um, started to get some things about Ali's investigation and we but just initially though what were you told initially about her death by the authorities over there? 
Well, we never really con- we never really were in contact with the authorities over there. This mm-hmm. is the thing because it's a foreign country and it's distant. Mm. You get you only get the feedback from DFAT, mm-hmm. um, and we were hoping. Well, as you trust the support from your own authorities, and mm. we were trusting their information that they were getting the facts. So they were relaying the information from the Mozambique authorities to mm. DFAT, and then DFAT were informing us. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how we that's how you get the information, especially when it's overseas. So it is difficult. Mm. You know, it's not like it's if it happens here, you, you're right on the case. Yeah. Um, so it, it is hard for somebody that um, if your loved one dies in a third world country, it's not easy. What did the first formal police report claim that, you know, the way that Ali had died, Paul? Oh, well, this was a bit of a shock and and, uh, and I was really upset about this and so was Nicole. Uh, Ali's mother. Um, we got in on April the sixth. We got a police report um, stating that um, she died of an overdose. And but at the toxicology results, the best in the world in Melbourne with hair and liver results, all came back negative. The South African results came back negative. And and Ali was an interdrug. She might have experimented when when she was young, and 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 there's a lot of young people do, but. She wasn't into that. She was more into her diving. Her passion was at diving. And you're not going to be diving deep, deep water over there mm. and be on drugs, are you? You know, mm. she, no, she's, she's with the um, results. They, you know, those hair and liver results from Melbourne mm. are comprehensive mm. around the world. And, and, and you and they were all negative, so. Okay, so despite the first formal police report claiming that she'd died of a drug overdose, the toxicology report stated there were no drugs. So what happened as a result of that? Oh, well, I was furious. I was, uh, I was, um, and so was um, uh, uh, the uh, High Commissioner, Adam McCarthy. He actually called a meeting over there with the, with the health minister and everything about, you know, what's going on? Why have you brought out this report? And um, and he was trying to get answers as well. But with when you're dealing with Mozambique, it's very difficult. They they don't let they they're not going to let out much information at all. Mm. Very difficult authorities to deal with. And well, uh, particularly from a Western point of view, it's very difficult to try and really infiltrate and get an idea of what actually occurred. Yeah, that's right. We were still sort of a bit cloudy about it all, but when you get that overdose report, you think, well, "What's going on?" You know, because we got there there uh, in 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 um, January, uh, February, sorry, of two thousand and seventeen, uh, before the overdose report, we got their autopsy report, which right. said that Ellie. And what did that state? That was from Mozambique. Yeah, that was the Mozambique autopsy report, and it said Ellie died from suffocation. Um, it was like suffocation strangulation, which is which was wrong in a way, but it was it's similar. There's it was really um, um, aspiration of mm. sand, and that it was a homicide. That it was a violent death. You and know. that was cited in the actual autopsy that Mozambique did. Yes, yeah, that's in that that's in that autopsy, and that's what DFAT told them when they got the when we got the overdose report. DFAT said to Mozambique authorities said have you looked at your your autopsy report um because how can she have died of an overdose when your autopsy report says she she's died from um it's a homicide and so what was the result of that 
Well, it's a foreign country. You, they can't kick them up the ass, which is what I would have loved to have done. But um, it's it's they just amended it. That's all. They so did. they amended her cause of death. Not the autopsy. The autopsy was always that cause of death. Right. What they did was they sent out a second police report right. on the tenth of April. Right stating that it's a homicide now and not an overdose. Did that make you have faith in the authorities? Well, again, DFAT was doing their job and, and that was good that they were, you know, they were sort of on top of it all. Um, and I think I think a lot of with DFAT personnel is, is they've dealt with Mozambique before in some other cases or, or matters and they know what they're like, you know, so... So they were on top, and they, as I said, they were they were the first the first year or so. DFAT were really switched on, and they were mm. good. Mm. Um, but I can't say that about the AFP. Mm. Okay, so you travelled to Tufo in Mozambique to do your own investigation. You, you've gone there a couple of times. What did you find in your first trip, Paul? Well, I was listening to the AFP that the uh, Mozambique authorities were investigating when in actual fact they, they weren't and, um, and they weren't doing a good job at all. Um, so the AFP had, had misled the family there and um, I was furious. So it, it took me a little bit of a, a while to, to get organised to go over and I went over in October 2018 and that's my biggest regret was that I listened to the AFP when um, when I should have taken it on my own. And, and I will recommend to any other family that if this happens in a third world country to one of your loved ones, you get over there straight away. Get on the first flight. Don't muck around because all these all the, these authorities over there, all they, they're not going to do a proper investigation, right? And you protect the evidence. Mm. Very important that you get over there, protect the evidence, and and that, as I said, was my biggest regret. That it, it took me nearly a year and a half to to get over there and to, to, to do my own investigation. Mm. And what I found over there was amazing. I was over there only for two days when a local, a young local boy, came up to me and gave me a clear version of the crime scene photo. Previously, we only had a blurred version, but we got a cleared version of the crime scene photo showing a lot of details, showing Ellie's top was ripped apart off her shoulder and down her side, that there was breadcrumb-like sand on one of her buttocks, meaning that she had been laid down and rolled over. So her body had been moved to that location after her death. So there was a lot of things that we discovered. I spoke with the, the, new, the new inspector in charge and he agreed with me that Ali was moved to that location, that the sand was actually different, was beach, was clear beach sand, whereas the location where Ali's body was found was dark grey sand. So in other words, you were actually able to purchase a copy of this photograph of Ali's body from just a stranger who came up to you in the street. Yeah, you see, it's all about money over there. And um, this person had this photograph, and he knew that I would pay money to, to, to for him to give it to me. And mm. that's basically what happened. I, I gave him money for the photograph. And um, mm. What you also found was that 
the sand that was in her lungs was very different from the soil that she was found in. Is that right? I didn't find that out myself. I only found that out from the inspector when I had a meeting with him. Mm -hmm. He confirmed with me because I said, I think that Ali's body's been moved to that location afterwards. I can't see that there was enough sand there that's a pathway and I can't see that a head would have been pushed into the sand at that in that location. Then he confirmed with me that the sand was different in Ellie's mouth compared to where she was found. Yes. Paul, why do you think that Ellie was murdered? I think that they were, it was an attempted rape. Um, but unfortunately, Ellie was out at uh, early hours of the morning on her own in Tufo Village. She got very complacent. She was a very confident girl because she'd been there, as I said, six weeks and loved it. Mm. And she probably thought she knew everybody and that, that it wasn't going to be a problem, you know, because Tufo's only a small fishing village, really. It's mm. not a big place. And um, she would you, you wouldn't think that um, she probably wouldn't have thought that she was going to be in any trouble, but... And Nicole and I were very disappointed to know that um, a security guard spotted her walk past at one stage at uh, 2.30am in the morning. It's been five years since Ellie died. Now, no charges have been laid. Why do you think the Mozambique police haven't taken Ellie's death seriously? Oh, look, it's a foreigner. And, and then they don't take, they don't care over there in a third world country, you know, really. Look, there's bodies on the side of the road and they don't probably don't even investigate it, not unless it's politicians or somebody important. So life over there, is the, the value of life is completely different over there to what it is here. So that's why I said, you know, if you want something done, you want the answers, you've got to get over there on the first flight straight away because they're not going to, they don't care. Mm. And all the things like keeping the evidence, what the person was wearing, all those, you know, details and crime scene and forensic details matter, don't they? Well, they do. And the the thing is, Nicole got her own investigation. uh, Nicole, Ellie's mother, got her own private investigators over there. And when they were over there, all the evidence has gone missing. How frustrating has this been for you and your family, Paul? Oh, it's very frustrating. You know, it's been five years. How often does that go? You know, the the inquest takes five years after somebody's died and it's just just relentless, really, because it's, uh, it's not only that I've got to deal with the murder of my daughter, I've got to deal with certain aspects of 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 the Mozambique authorities and and the AFP here in Australia what motivates you what keeps you going it's been a five very long you've done an intensive research worthy of any homicide detective yourself and yet you know what motivates you to keep going well i want to get justice you have to get justice you know like it it it, it really annoys me to know that the person out there that murdered my daughter is walking around enjoying life and not rotting in a in a Mozambique jail. Mm. See, I've been told that, uh, that because there's no money over there, the police don't even get paid much at all, if anything. Mm. So you can imagine living in a jail or, or being in a jail over there. Um, the families have to give them food. 
come and give them food. So mm. the conditions over there would be very poor in mm. one of their jails. Mm. And, you know, that, that would I would be satisfied with that. Now, for that person to die, that's too good in my book. Mm. You know, for them to suffer in a, in a Mozambique jail rotting away is would make me happy and mm. and feel that I would have justice. But it's still not going to bring Ali back. Um, unfortunately, you know, that's part of my life's gone. And um, and it's, people say that they are, it gets better over time, but it doesn't. It doesn't get better over time at all. It's not a day go past where I don't reflect back because I had such a, a, a fantastic relationship with Ali. Mm. Now, if this had happened to me, Michelle, mm. right, um, Ali would be doing the same thing mm. because Ali and I were connected in that way mm. and and we, we and she was a very uh, dogmatic debatable person if there was a debate that she wanted to, to wanted to to protest about she would be there tooth and nail you know trying to to voice her opinion mm. and I was I'm the same in that aspect mm. and if something upset her if something had happened to me she would have been doing the same thing. There's no question about it whatsoever. Mm. She would have wanted justice for me, and and um and and I just Ellie and I got along like a house on fire, and I and I miss her so much. So that it's just a thing that you you I need to have that part of it. It's it's a closure mm. that I need to have, and uh, and it's important to me. What's it meant? To you, Paul, that a coronial inquest will now be scheduled by you know before the end of the year. Yes, I've been told. I got a letter from the foreign minister, Rose Payne. I was, um, and she said said in the letter that um, she heard that uh, Ali's inquest will be scheduled for the end of the year. Um, and I'm have the crime scene photo that I talked about that I got from Mozambique. Um, Mr. Charlie Benzina has been helping me pro bono for some time now, over three years. And he's a former homicide detective? Oh, yes. Yeah, he's, he's been fantastic, mm. Charlie has. Uh, he's been magnificent, really, and, and he's putting me onto some really good contacts. Mm. But just recently, I wanted to get um, the photo analysed, and Charlie said to me that he knew the forensic um, department, Victorian Forensic Department here in Melbourne, in McLeod, was one of the best in the world, and he knew the people there, and he said, I have been told that they do outside work. Mm -hmm. So I told my, my solicitor, who has been fantastic as well, Hall and Wilcox, they've been excellent. Um, they sent a letter to the coroner telling the coroner that we are going to get the photo analysed mm. um, in a forensic manner which is important because Charlie said to me that that will hold weight in court. Mm. If you get it done properly, it holds yeah. weight in court. What does it mean to you, the fact that you've now got this inquest to be scheduled before the end of the year? Oh, it's just amazing because it's, um, well, I'm hoping that it will be, but, you know, as everybody knows with the circumstances of COVID, uh, we just hope it doesn't get delayed again. Mm. But the um, reason why I'm bringing up that um, report is that I think the coroner is now waiting for, the coroner's decided to take it on board himself and he's mm -hmm. prepared to pay for it when he yeah. found out that I was going to do it. Um, I've been told by his assistant, Mr. King Taylor, that... Um, 
um, the coroner is waiting for that forensic report now mm -hmm. uh, because that's going to tell us a lot of answers. Good. You know. How do you want Ellie to be remembered, Paul? You know, she was, she was a girl, as I said, that loved life. And I think that we need to make sure that this doesn't happen to other families. I think the government needs to recognise that when people die overseas, that they, they need to have more support for, for the families. Um, there's nowhere near enough support for this sort of thing. Uh, and, you know, we, we need to try and you've got, you got, you got to have a bit more understanding of overseas protocols and, and, and the way that they investigate things. Mm. And I think the AFP should be more involved. Mm. They, they don't want to know too much about it, to be honest. Mm. And they should, they don't want to investigate. They really, they only investigate on behalf of the coroner. Mm. People must understand mm. that they do not get fully involved. So you're all, you're on your own in a way mm. when it comes to foreign countries. You see, we're dealing with a third world country. If it, if Ellie had died in England, you would be confident that their authorities would look after it. Of course, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. But. We're dealing with Mozambique authorities. Mm, they mm. really haven't got a clue. They haven't even got forensic testing over there. Yeah, right. So how can they do a proper investigation? Mm. So we need to have more support. We need to have a, like a team of people that can say, that can put a, a mutual assistance request in, which is what the AFP did not do. Mm. They're making excuses that we need a treaty, but we don't need a treaty to put the mutual assistance request in. And they could have put one in in 2016 mm. and, and, and had a joint operation then. But it takes a the coroner to order them mm. in to do so because they didn't want to be involved with the investigation. So mm. where does that leave a family? Yeah, You're all on your own. It's so wrong. It's mm. a terrible situation to be in. And, you know, it could happen to you. Yeah. Your daughter could go overseas, mm. could be murdered in a third world country, and you're going to be in exactly the same boat as Ellie's family. Yeah. There's going to be no difference. Well, look, Paul, I know we're going to be doing further interviews as the inquest, you know, is scheduled. And thank you very much for having the courage to speak and, and also what an extraordinary job you've done over the last five years. And thank you very much for sitting with me today on The Crime Couch. No worries. Thank you very much for having me, Michelle. I've, uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining me. I'm Rochelle Jackson, and I look forward to your company next time on The Crime Cash. <laughs>